Welcome to Kingdom Perspectives. My name is Stacey Hillier. It's my privilege to host you for today's podcast. Kingdom Perspectives is all about getting God's perspective on life, culture and ministry. In a world of increasing noise and deception, we need to cut through the confusion and the complexity of the times we live in and get God's perspective on our lives. I encourage you today to click on the subscribe button to automatically receive this podcast on a weekly basis. Also, if you'd like to leave us a brief review, that would be a great blessing to us. It is now my privilege and honour to introduce the man who speaks on this podcast so brilliantly, Pastor Corey Turner. Wow, what an introduction, Stace. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. How about you? Yeah, great. Thank you. Looking forward to another episode. Yes, and we are coming out of hopefully this COVID season for those who are listening in real time. We are, and I'm looking forward to the restrictions easing because I think we're all getting a little bit tired of it. (laughs) Have you loved your children going back to school? I have. I love my kids, but it's a good thing when they can connect with their friends again and get back to some normality. So what about you? Yeah, I've loved them going back to school as much as I've enjoyed the time with them, but even more of a highlight for me has been (laughs) actually being able to go to a cafe, praise Jesus. Yes, Absolutely. So much so that now there there are lines out the front waiting to get in because everyone's just back on it. Everyone wants a piece of the action. They do. And here's the thing. I went to my favourite and before I went in, they said, okay, you can stay 30 minutes if you're having a drink. You can stay one hour if you have something to eat. So I ordered a crust so I could stay an hour. Wow. Yeah. Well, It's like there's the coffee police that are out now. Seriously. We're going to get fined if we are like 32 minutes. Mm. How do you feel about being fined by the police? Not excited by it. No? I used to be a police officer Mm. and I hated that part of the job. Let me tell you a story, Stacey. I can't wait. I remember back in year 2000, I was working as a rookie cop on Flinders uh, Street and there was a particular laneway where we were asked to book people with tickets for jaywalking. Mm -hmm. But literally it was like less than three metres, the laneway. Right. And like a thousand people jaywalk across that. So can you imagine how popular I was to stand there with my compatriots and colleagues handing out ticket after ticket? I think it was about $50 for every person jaywalking. And then I decided... This is not the job for me. No, you don't like being the bad cop. No, I don't. You like being the guy everybody likes. That's it. But do you know what? I feel like those people who were jaywalking didn't have a good grip on self-leadership. They didn't. It's a great segue to what we want to talk about today. Thank you. Let's get on point. (laughs) You're welcome. So we do want to talk today about Kingdom Perspective on self-leadership. Perhaps if we start with what is self-leadership? Well, I'll answer that question by telling you a funny, humorous story, Mm -hmm. which incriminates me a little bit, but it (laughs) illustrates the point. Um, Several years ago, I went swimming in a uh, 50-metre Olympic swimming pool, and uh, as you do, and um, after I finished my session, I hopped out of the pool, and as I was walking back to my towel, Mm -hmm. uh, I heard some giggling behind me. Oh, never a good sign. Not a good sign. No. I looked around and there was a whole lot of primary school students with parents all lined up against the side of the pool. There were swimming instructors, teachers, 
and a number of them were looking my way with a smile on their face. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was about, so I just kept on walking. You and thought I, normal. That's totally it. Totally normal. Get people your cameras laugh at me people. all the time. So I walked over to my towel and I bent down to wipe my legs and my back and etc. And as I stood up, I felt this presence behind me and I turned around and here was this big, gruff, burly tradesman of a bloke, right. an Aussie bloke, mm-hmm. walking towards me with a very stern, serious look on his face. Uh-oh. And I'm sort of looking at him like, what am I in trouble for? What have I done now? What fine am I going to get now? (laughs) And uh, he walked up to me and said, hey, mate, did you know the backside has fallen out of your swimming trunks? Oh, dear. And my brain did not register what he was actually saying. There was no breeze, nothing? Not at the time. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Not at the time. I was swimming very fast that day. Uh, But... I I sort of smiled, laughed it off, and within a split second after he walked away with a very concerned look on his face, I realised that maybe I've got a hole in the back of my swimming trunks. And so I put my hand down to check, and there was a big gaping hole in my swimming trunks. And um, I looked around, and that is why a lot of people were looking at me. Now... I think this is a great segue into self-leadership. Oh, it's got self-leadership all over it. (laughs) (laughs) We've got segue after segue. Um, I think sometimes we lead others not knowing that the backside has actually fallen out of our own ministry and out of our own leadership. There it is. And I remember hearing someone say one time, if we could kick the person responsible for most of our troubles, we wouldn't be able to sit down for weeks. We would have a hole in our swimming trunks. We would. And that wouldn't be good for any of Mm -hmm. us. And I think our biggest challenge in ministry is actually ourselves. Ministry is really an invitation from heaven to learn how to get out of our own way so that the Holy Spirit can have his say in our life. And I think one of the greatest gifts that we can give to others is, in fact, the gift of a healthy self. Uh, Growing people and healthy people reproduce growing and healthy people. Uh, I read an amazing quote by Billy Graham, who was asked the question, what would you do differently if you had to live life over again? And he answered, I would have spent twice as much time preparing myself for ministry and half as much time actually leading and preaching. Mm. And when you think about it, we will often spend three years, maybe a, a university degree, studying and preparing for 30 years of working life. Mm-hmm. Jesus, on the other hand, spent 30 years mm-hmm. of preparation. The Bible calls it, particularly Luke's gospel, the silent years of Jesus' life, where we don't know a whole lot more other than he grew in favor and stature with God and man. Jesus spent 30 years preparing for three years of public ministry. And so self-leadership is actually leading yourself before you lead others. So good. So I read somewhere what you've just said in stats is 90% of Jesus' life was hidden for three years of public ministry. I think when we say we want to be like Jesus, we don't mean I want 90% of my life to be hidden. We're often after the public part of it. Yeah, totally. So why is self-leadership so important? Well, I think the reason it's so important is because it's so easy to deviate away from true north. Mm -hmm. 
um, one degree off centre today could result in uh, our leadership and our ministry being kilometres off, off where it needs to be in weeks and months and years to come. And residents in uh, Florida, USA, uh, often wake up to a a natural phenomena called sinkholes. And a sinkhole is when the ground at the surface loses its underlying support and caves in. And so all manner of things end up in those sinkholes. It could be things as large as cars or outdoor furniture, but literally the road or the the footpath uh, just caves in. And to me, that is a um, powerful metaphor for what happens if we neglect Mm self-leadership. It's what's below the surface of our lives and our ministries that will eventually sink us. Think about what sunk the Titanic. Um, As you look at the history books, wasn't what was above the surface. It it was what was invisible, what was hidden below the surface. Only 10% of an iceberg is actually visible above the surface it's what's below the surface which is as you've pointed out 90 percent 90 percent of jesus life and ministry was hidden uh the same is in our own leadership and so what self-leadership is is taking responsibility for what's under the surface of our lives yeah because it could be so easy as leaders to put most of our focus and our attention on the public aspects of our life and our ministry because it gets us the most accolades the most praise it can often form the bulk of our identity if we're not careful and yet good self-leadership will put more focus and attention on the parts of life that are unseen right yeah so what are those specific things that represent the 90 percent of what's under the surface of public Public ministry and leadership? Really important question, and there are several. I'm just going to share with you briefly five today that I want to highlight and I think are quite relevant Mm -hmm. for not only people in ministry, but people who are in all walks of life wanting to pay attention to this area of their life. And the first is connection. And this has to do with intimacy with God. It's where we ask the question, am I growing closer to God? And these, this would be a question that I would ask myself mm-hmm. regularly. Am I just going through the motions of my intimacy with God, my relationship with God, or am I actually growing closer to Him? Is my connection with God increasing? Mm-hmm. John fifteen five talks about apart from Christ, we can do nothing. Mm-hmm. And... And to the point that we're convinced of that truth will actually determine the depth of our intimacy and connection with God. There is no substitute for time with God. Doesn't matter how talented you are. Doesn't matter uh, how much money you have, what your surname is, what degrees or titles are before your name. Um, What matters is do you have a passionate, vital, intimate connection with the presence of God. I can remember uh, in Bible college, whilst I learned a lot of great things in the classroom, it wasn't what was in the classroom Hmm. that really impacted me as it was a conversation with uh, our own uh, resident, Dr. Mike Gretschko here at Numa Church. But he uh, was a real uh, mentor and and, uh, leader in my life. And he said to me, if you want to be a man of God, wake up every morning, spend an hour reading the word and studying it, and then spend another hour praying into it. Do that for the rest of your life. And then you'll begin to understand what it means to walk with God and be a man of God. And like an arrow to the heart, it just pierced my heart and challenged me about my level of self-leadership in this area. 
And I just want to encourage everyone to establish a daily appointment with God and keep it every day of your life, whether Mm -hmm. it's 30 minutes, an hour, or two hours, or five hours. The length of time is not so much the point. However, I would say the more that you fall in love with someone and the more that you, uh, the more that you are. Uh, particularly in your relationship with God, hungry to learn, to get to know him, the more you actually want to spend time with him. So time does matter. Mm. So I think that I would just be encouraging people as I have tried to um, practice what um, Dr. Mike had encouraged me around, I'd encourage everyone to think about, do you have a time and a place where you meet with God daily. So good. And one of the things you touched on a little bit earlier was sometimes we can make small degree shifts and we end up facing in a bit of a different direction. I remember hearing um, Pastor Bill Johnson speak about connection a few years ago, especially for those in ministry or those who have, for example, a teaching ministry or they're writing regular devotions or discipling people. He posed this question. He said, what do we call it when somebody is intimate for a profession? Yeah. And it gets you thinking. We all know what that is. And he said, well, for pastors and leaders, if our only connection or time of intimacy with God is so we can produce a sermon or produce a devotion or produce a discipleship tool, that is what we've become in the kingdom. Yeah. And so connecting with God in that 90% below the surface and being intimate in him for no other reason than just being with him and loving him and becoming more like him is so important. It's huge, and it's it's what you're saying has so much truth to it. And I think there's a big difference between going to the scriptures to feed others yeah. and going to the scriptures to feed yourself. Yeah, going to the prayer closet to feed others mm. and going to the prayer closet for your own heart. It's what comes out of the overflow of your own intimacy with God that actually feeds people. I'm challenged by the idea that all I can ever do in my ministry is pass on my history with God. And if I've got no history with God, if I've got nothing to show for my own relationship and my intimacy with God, what am I actually going to pass on to others? And so I would encourage everyone listening to actually write down what does your time with Mm, God look like? And when are you going to commit to that in your daily schedule? And once that's in, um, like you would keep a a, a very important appointment to, with the Queen. I don't know if mm. the Queen's visited your house lately, <laughs> um, Stace. I know you are a Queen, yeah. but n- pro- hopefully not a drama Queen. Uh, <laughs> but uh, when it comes to an, Im- uh, an important appointment, um, we all keep those. Look, because I've had my time in connection and inter- intimacy with the Lord, I'm displaying the fruit of the Spirit right now, Brilliant. self-control. Out of the so overflow much of I your heart. I could say back. Yeah, totally. yeah, But connection is so important in our self-leadership, isn't it? What Absolutely. are some of the other aspects we need to focus on? The second one we want to talk about is calling, and mm-hmm. that's uh, got to do with clarity of vision. Yep. So one of the questions that I ask here is, am I clear on God's vision for my ministry? Right. Uh, Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 2 to 3 talks about writing the vision, Mm -hmm. making it plain so that those who run can read it. And God's vision for us is like a blueprint for daily action. Mm -hmm. Vision is a clear and compelling uh, God-given picture of the future. 
And in Acts 26, 19, the Apostle Paul talks about, I was not disobedient to the heavenly Mm. vision. There are lots of things that are optional extras in life, but when it comes to the call of God upon your life and the vision that he has given to you, particularly for the ministry that he's called you to that impacts others, there is a sense of um, consecration to that vision of ownership, mm-hmm. the need to be clear on that. And for me, I've discovered there's no more compelling force in my ministry than the vision that God's given to me. Mm-hmm. What energizes me uh, in my ministry is not just um, my intimacy with God, but out of the overflow of that is God has called us to something. There's something to accomplish. There's there's a picture of the future that God is calling us to pursue. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's so important we see what God sees. And that can be a very difficult, challenging mm-hmm. process. This touches on things like hearing from God. This touches on the prophetic. Mm. This touches on matters of prayer and intimacy. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 to 8, we see this uh, unusual and amazing encounter that the prophet Isaiah has. He gets a picture of heaven and he has an encounter with God where he sees God for who he is. He sees himself for who he is and he sees his surroundings and the, the culture that he was living in for what it was. And so there are three things there that I would encourage everyone to uh, really pay attention to when it comes to seeing what God sees. Firstly, look up. You've got to fix your attention and your focus upon the source of vision, which is the Holy Spirit. Uh, That practically looks like prayer. It looks like reflection. Mm. It looks like searching the scriptures. It looks like um, centering yourself on the presence of God and finding that point of connection. That's why uh, calling comes after connection, Mm. because until you establish the connection, you're not going to get clear on your calling. Mm. And so for me, it begins with looking up. Secondly, you need to look in. You need to find out uh, about you and what makes you tick, your wiring, your gifting, your, your passions, Uh, those things that really motivate you. And I firmly believe you cannot get an accurate view of yourself if you don't have a clear view Mm -hmm. of who God Mm -hmm. is. But as you have a clear picture of who God is prophetically, God begins to give you a clear picture prophetically of who you are and your purpose and your destiny. And then the third aspect of that is is you need to begin to look out. Mm -hmm. Look out at those who maybe are speaking Mm -hmm. into your life. Look out at surrounding community and culture and and who who are the what are the needs that are present in the culture? Um, the the vision that God gives you, the call that comes upon your life, actually will serve and meet a need in the world around you. So as we look up, we look in, and we look out, we start to get clarity on the call and the vision upon our lives. And I would encourage everyone listening to think about writing down what they. Uh, best feel describes their calling presently as they go through that process. I love the order you've put that in because I think often uh, people look in first and then it's almost like they ask Jesus to follow them 
into what they want to do rather than following Jesus, looking at him first and letting him inform the calling. And often this is why people end up a little bit disillusioned in life and how did I end up here? I I don't understand what happened. But it's really important in self-leadership, the order that you've put that in. It's brilliant. And just on that, I think that is a really important point because when people often lose their way, one of the questions that I ask is, um, who are you following? Yeah. Are you following yourself? Are mm. you following social media? Are yeah. you following the culture? Are mm-hmm. you following some celebrity leader? Who, mm. who are you following? Because mm. Jesus said, if you follow me, I'll make you yeah. something. And so when I find that I'm maybe just deviating off course a bit, I come back to, well, well, what am I following? Mm. Who am I following? Because as I follow Christ and not try and get God to follow my uh, grand ideas, Mm. I find that um, it becomes far easier to live the life that he's called us to and to pursue those things that are on his heart. Yeah, and I don't think anybody is intentionally setting out to go, I'm going to go my own way and ask Jesus to come with me. But again, it's another one of those subtle shifts that when we pay attention to our self-leadership, we pick up on these things. So we've got connection and we've got calling. Give us another C. Absolutely. Everything uh, is beginning with C today. So, like Sesame Street, (laughs) this episode is coming to you from the letter C. Um, (laughs) The third thing that I want to talk about is chemistry, and this all has to do with relationship with others. And one of the questions that I ask myself regularly, well, how how healthy are my relationships? And obviously that begins with family, but then it extends to friends and work colleagues Mm. and uh, people that I'm uh, leading and serving in the life of the church, as well as just the world around me, my neighbours, etc. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-six thirty-nine, we are presented with both a vertical relationship that we've got to pay attention to and a horizontal relationship. Mm-hmm. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind is the vertical. Love your neighbour as yourself, that's the horizontal. We cannot afford to just think that if we just prioritize the vertical, which is those first two sort of self-leadership values or pillars, that everything's all okay. There must be a horizontal connection. Mm -hmm. What we encounter with God must actually um, overflow into our world around us. And so just as in real estate, it's all about location, location, location. Mm -hmm. In ministry and in life, it's all about relationships. And I've found that, um, particularly in ministry, leading a church, most people tend to leave a ministry or a church because of conflict in mm-hmm. a relationship mm-hmm. than they will about a particular program or a way of approaching ministry in the life of the church. I can still remember um, when I was traveling full-time speaking, uh, traveling uh, around the galaxy, I headed to a an amazing church uh, on the outskirts of Sydney. And this church really focused and emphasized on all things family and relationship. And I remember getting there the first time I visited this church, I uh, jumped out of the car and was met with a young 13 or 14 year old teenager who rather maturely welcomed me uh, as uh, the guest speaker that night. And then from that encounter to the front door of the church, another five or six young people, 13, 14, 15 years of age, all came up to me and half of them didn't know that I was the guest speaker that night. But they asked me, uh, you know, welcome. Uh, Is there anything that we can do for you? If you need anything, let me know. And I was just... Um, 
taken back by the emotional maturity of these young people. I thought maybe they've all been worded up. (laughs) Maybe they've been prepared for the guest. Well, by the end of that weekend, I was convinced that this was not a performance. But in fact, right across the church, I saw this great um, relational authenticity, this emotional maturity in the life of the church. And by the end of that weekend, I sat the pastor down and I said, you know, what water are you drinking up here? Mm -hmm. Because I need some of that. Um, It's amazing. I'm just seeing such health in the life of the church and how people are treating each other. How have you cultivated that culture? And the leader responded to me and said, oh, that's easy. I'm not leading this church like a CEO of an organization that uh, has transactional relationships. I'm actually, my wife and I are building this church like a family where we as a spiritual father and mother are building sons and daughters Mm -hmm. and brothers and sisters and uncles and aunties in the faith. And I saw the impact of the way that you approach relationships is often impacted by your family of origin Mm -hmm. and the family that you grow up in Mm -hmm. or your positive or negative experiences of work environments, of churches that maybe you've grown up in. And one of the big issues when it comes to relationships is this issue of conflict and, um, and honesty. And one of the things I've learned is that you can't change what you're not willing to confront. Bad doesn't get better the mm-hmm. longer you leave it. And so one of the things that we've got to do as leaders and people in ministry and in life is practice Matthew 18, is be willing to have the tough conversation, but do it from a place of love. The Bible says, speak the truth in love. And sometimes in our desire to want to be liked or for people to not Uh, think ill of us, we actually hide the truth. The Bible says shine a light on the truth, but do it in a way that loves people and honors them for where they're at. And so I think healthy relationships begins in the leader's own life. And uh, I have um, friends in, in my world in ministry who have reflected on some of the challenges and issues that they were seeing emerge out of the church that they were leading and they saw that it almost mirrored some of the challenges that they Mm. were facing in their own family. And as they began to focus on their own backyard and change some things about attitudes and mindsets and habits in their own family, it immediately had a direct effect upon the health of the life of the ministry and church that they were leading. And so I would encourage people to take a stock take on their relationships. Mm -hmm. Where is their uh, closest relationships at? And um, what is the health level of that? And are there any unresolved issues that need to be brought up and dealt with and talked about? And is there a reason for why we wouldn't want to try and resolve those issues? Relationships with others, as it, as it applies to chemistry, is really important. It's really good. I think one of the saddest things in leadership is people who don't take the time to pay attention to their chemistry and relationship with others, and they might hit the goal. They get there, they turn around, there's no one with them, they're there all alone, and yep. life is so much better when you do it with others, for sure. So we've got connection, calling, chemistry. What's next? 
Let's talk about capacity. Uh, This all has to do with your posture of learning. It's where I ask the question, who am I learning from? Uh, Am I cultivating and building the type of relationships with people that uh, I'm allowing them uh, to speak into my life? And teachability is a big part of this. Mm -hmm. Um, Capacity is the ability to receive, hold, or absorb weight. And one of the things that I think we need to do as leaders is be honest Mm. about where is our capacity level at. Mm -hmm. Leaders come in different sizes. And the way that I um, think about this is when it comes to a meal, you go to a restaurant, you have an entree, a main and a dessert. There are different size plates for different elements of that meal. Mm -hmm. And some of us as leaders uh, have entree size capacity. Mm -hmm. Other people have main meal capacity. Others are more your uh, lemon meringue pie dessert. (laughs) However it works, you need to identify clearly, first of all, where you're at. Because if you try and pile on into your life and into your schedule, a main size dinner uh, calendar with an entree size capacity, Mm -hmm. you're going to get come unstuck. And you're going to begin to... um, Uh, burn out and lose ground where you need to. And I think one of the important things that I've learned is it's foolish to ask God for more influence in the kingdom if you're not also developing your capacity Mm -hmm. and asking God to increase your capacity. And one of the ways that we can actually build our capacity is through the principle of what I call progressive overload. Now, back in 2014, I... um, competed in the Ironman triathlon here yeah, in Melbourne. me too. You were there. Yep. You may not have been competing. But, I was the but, girl in front of you. Yeah, yep. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, in your dreams. And, um, <laughs> and we were, uh, the Ironman triathlon is from Hawaii, the World Championships, 3.8-kilometre swim, 180-kilometre bike ride, 42-kilometre marathon run. Needless to say, Stacey, it's filled with much weeping and gnashing of teeth. <laughs> It's uh, what some may pref- uh, prefer to call it Gehenna, uh, which is another <laughs> name for hell. Um, but um, I decided 18 months out that I was going to do this, and I was inspired by what I saw the year before. And um, and so I got a coach, and I had grown up being involved in athletics. I was trying to look after my health and fitness at the time, and the coach sat me down and asked me what I was doing, and I gave him my resume of all the great training and things that I was doing, and he said, well, we're going to scale all of that back, and starting next week, uh, you're going to, on Monday, you're going to only swim for 15 minutes and you're going to ride for 30 minutes and you're going to run for 10 minutes. And I'm thinking to myself, this is kindergarten. Mm. Why have I got this guy mm-hmm. giving me advice about trying to compete in this Ironman? You know, apparently he was top 10 in the world in his age group. I'm like, I'm going back to the ABCs when I need to be at the XYs and Zs of, of all of this training. And little did I realize as he began to unpack this conversation that he was going to add five minutes a week mm-hmm. to each of these disciplines. Clever. And he was um, practicing the principle of progressive overload. And he said, in 12 months time, you will be swimming mm-hmm. for two, three hours. You will be riding for six hours. You will be running for several hours. But until I know where you're at and what your capacity is now, and I add a little bit more each week to that capacity, 
you're not going to be able to have the capacity to be able to compete at that level. And I think that there is this drafting effect that happens in our ministries and in our lives. Firstly, when we get around leaders who are further down the road than Mm -hmm. we are, and we get around people that actually have greater capacity than what we are, but also we grow in capacity through progressive overload by adding a little bit more. Stress is not a bad thing. We're often taught in culture that stress is like this big enemy that we've all got to stay away from. The reality is if you have no stress at all in your life, you probably won't grow because a little bit of stress that brings you out of your comfort zone and helps you keep inching forward is really healthy and I think one of the ways that I've been stretched in my own life and ministry is by getting around people who are discipling me and calling me up to a higher level. Yeah, really good. I think one of the things that is important when it comes to capacity, whilst we are always trying to grow it and everything in Christ, everything that stays in connection with Jesus grows, we can't fall into the trap of comparison. Yeah. For example, I'm not going, no matter how hard I train and no no matter how much load-bearing I practice, to be able to run at your pace because our bodies are created differently. God has created me differently than you. So I have to stay in connection and know what God's called me to because otherwise you're going to completely burn out. If I'm trying to have the same capacity as Captain Thunderthighs over here, (laughs) it's probably in a good way. Imagine if you called me that. Yeah, no, that wouldn't, it wouldn't be good. Be good would no, it? I would never. I don't even thought about that. But we have different capacities, and each person is responsible to grow their own, right? But not to compare to one another, because that can actually lead to some really unhealthy thought and behavioural patterns. That's it. You know, we all need to grow grass in our own backyard. Well, that's exactly right. So I would have stayed on the kindergarten training program and that would have been amazing for me. Absolutely. You would have done that really well. <laughs> Trust me, by the end of the marathon, I wanted to be on the kindergarten. Oh, the one I beat you in. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Uh, again, in your dreams. Um, <laughs> but let's look at one more and we'll finish off with care. Mm-hmm. Um, and this has to do with sustainability of rhythms. So states mm. we've worked through connection, calling, chemistry, capacity. But if we don't actually look at the sustainability of our lives Mm. and how sustainable our pace is, then we're going to come unstuck. And in Matthew 11, 28 to 30, Jesus talks about taking his uh, yoke and burden upon us, which Mm. is light and easy. And that is a real challenge for people who are motivated and focused to grow Mm. and are wanting to grow their capacity to add more value to people's lives around them. But one of the things that we discover really quickly in leadership, it requires energy. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that you get more energy is you actually create space for margin. And I know firsthand um, some of the uh, dangers that are associated with not creating space for margin. Uh, Back in uh, 209-210, I went through what I would call a brownout phase. You've heard of the term burnout. Brownout is probably what some experts identify as as the uh, uh, events preceding a full burnout. And I stopped just before I started to burn out, but it did take me about 12 months to recover. And during that season, I found myself, um, the demands, expectations and appointments kept piling up on top of each other. And it really got to a point where the pace became unsustainable, that I was even aware 
of these truths that I'm talking with you about today. But you can know something in your head, but not practice it and live it out in your heart. And so um, I would just encourage people to not allow the pace at which you're doing God's work destroy God's work in you. Sometimes we're so busy doing work for the Lord that we actually forget who we're doing it for and why we're doing it. And so one of the things that I had to go back and examine was, uh, am, is the pace that I'm engaged in, yes, on one level unsustainable, but why is it unsustainable? Am I trying to live up to people's expectations? Am I doing too many things that drain my tank of energy, but don't actually fill my tank with energy? The goal of life and ministry and leadership is to live out of overflow. If I have a cup in front of me, filled it up to the top and said, is this cup full? On the surface, you'd probably say, well, yeah, we can't fit any more in there. But I guarantee you that that cup really isn't filled until it's overflowing with water. And the goal of our lives and ministries is to live out of the overflow of all these things we're talking about, connection, calling, chemistry, capacity, and as it relates to care. And so um, uh, productivity is a byproduct of focused energy. How do we develop um, the necessary capacity, energy, and reserves to be able to sustain our leadership above the surface? Well, let me give you a few tips. And I know that these are some things that are really important to you as well. Mm -hmm. So feel free to jump in and share your thoughts on this. But uh, here's a big one, the Sabbath. Yeah. Um, Sabbath is, by and large, completely ignored in our culture. Um, people are now often working seven days a week. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if they're not working maybe in their office or uh, on the construction site seven days a week, they're definitely go, go, go seven days a week. And Sabbath is a deliberate decision to stop, be still, and know that He is God. To rest, to recover, to find a place of reflection and, and remind ourselves that we aren't human doings. We're human beings. We're not mm-hmm. machines and robots. We're people. And we're made in the image and likeness of God. And where God chose to rest after creating the world over six days, we should follow his example. I'd encourage everyone to think about where's your Sabbath in your week? It doesn't matter which day of the week it is. What matters is that you have it, you schedule it, and you abide by it. Mm-hmm. Um I think uh, maybe, Stacey, you might want to talk to that for a moment because I know that for you, Sabbath has been a critical mm. um, learning point and journey in your own life. And, and I really admire and respect the way that you approach it and go about it. What are some of the things you've learned when it comes to the Sabbath? Biggest game changer for me and my self-leadership. Um, similarly, I'm quite a driven person um, and probably hit nearly physical, emotional, spiritual burnout probably about four years ago and then in in speaking with the Holy Spirit about what changes do I need to make and he was mm. like I want you to study the Sabbath I actually want you to understand biblical Sabbath and how different it is wow. than a day off and it is it, it, it's been an absolute game changer and it was surprising to me how difficult I found it at first how ego I was so egotistical I honestly thought the church my family and the world may not function if I stopped 
as ugly yeah. as that sounds, yeah, I, I get it. Like it's yeah. not like I ever said that, but no. that's actually what my behaviour showed. Yeah. And so I love Sabbath. It's an opportunity to stop, to rest, to delight, and to contemplate. And it's a slow way of doing life, and it fuels the six. It's a step of faith, just like a tithe is. Yeah. But what God can do with the six when we trust Him by resting on the one, it's brilliant. And I love that God didn't fall into that seventh day because He was so tired from creating <laughs> the world. Yeah. We're not meant to fall in a, into a Sabbath exhausted either. Yeah. We're actually just meant to rest and stop and to see God all around us. And it's been the biggest game changer in my self-leadership if I could teach in my area of influence with people. If I could teach them one thing, this would be the one thing I would spend time with them on. It's powerful. Yeah. And I, th- I think it's something that you know we are trying to practice not just as individuals yeah. here at Newman Church but right across the church yeah and i think even churches need a sabbath yep. they need to stop and they need to rest and then out of the overflow of that we can give out i think another thing we need to do in a high tech world is switch off yeah we need to disconnect from our technology Uh, Obviously, don't switch this podcast off right now (laughs) and take that literally in this moment. Uh, But I think at least once a day, I try and totally disconnect. Mm -hmm. Uh, I Particularly, obviously, uh, when we're sleeping, that's a given. (laughs) But when we wake up, for me in the morning, and I'm spending my focus time and my walk with God, relationship with God, I'm I'm switching off. I'm disconnecting. I don't want to. I I go old school. I don't want to um, be distracted. Uh, by all of the gadgets and all of the notifications. And in Mm. fact, one of the things that I encourage people to do when it comes to their phones and their apps is uh, just switch off your notifications and get intentional and deliberate about the times of day that you are going to check and that you are going to engage. I think the other uh, big one for me is exercise. And I know that this is uh, an important priority for you too, Stace. And I think um, moving your body, and sweating and getting outside mm-hmm. and um, looking after yourself and making sure that you are increasing or imp- uh, um, maintaining your strength mm-hmm. as you get older is a really important thing. Mm-hmm. And um, and so for me, I find exercise is, is a spiritual activity as mm-hmm. much as anything else where it helps me to get perspective. Um, often I do a lot of it in solitude and so I can think and process um, but moving your body actually increases your energy mm. sleep is a big one yeah and uh, for me I would say if I was being really honest that um, whilst I really try to get the necessary sleep uh, and and I've seen a sleep physician that says you need about eight hours a night and most of us have learned to live on less than that, yeah. but I would say this is one of the big areas that I need to become more consistent in. Um, but but sleep is a critical uh, factor in um, restoration, rejuvenation of your body. It's also a great opportunity for your spirit to still stay awake and God to speak to you in that. And um, and and so sleep is important. Nutrition, uh, you are what you eat. So don't eat too much lemon meringue pie. (laughs) I know I uh, bang on about it a bit, but let me tell you, uh, very rarely do I eat it. Um, We need to really watch what we're eating. I think the other practical things are get a hobby, get something that you enjoy, um, and 
keep a sense of humor. Yeah. And one of the things that I love about you, Stace, and, and how you and Jai and uh, many of our team here at Numa Approach Life is that we don't take ourselves too seriously. We believe that what God's called us to do is serious, but we don't take ourselves too seriously. And I think having a sense of humor is really important to keep perspective and keep it light rather than heavy all the time because life is at times filled with heavy moments and, and important conversations, crucial conversations, we mm. call them, uh, but having a sense of humor is really important. So I think these things that we're talking about today, connection, calling, chemistry, capacity and care, really help us to grow in this arena of self-leadership. Yeah, I think one of the things that our families have found really helpful is also our annual scrapbooking day. When we get together yes. and we just scrapbook yeah. together the for a whole day. Powerful. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. It really mm. re-energizes us. Mm. I do want to thank you for that brilliant content today. Connection, calling, chemistry, capacity and care. Paying attention to the 90% of what's under the surface of our public leadership. I get to see you live this up close and personal. So you are speaking from a place of authority. So thank you so much for sharing your heart with us today. Another way that people can actually learn from you and from your life is from your two books. Where can people get their hands on those? Totally. If they just connect with the Church website mm-hmm. and uh, just inquire about them, we are promoting them on that website through our resource center, Prophetic Vision, uh, Seeing Your Future Clearly is one of the books I wrote, first book, and then the second one, The Supernatural Life, all about the person of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and how we can move in the power of the Holy Spirit. These are really two great resources that can help you continue to grow in your leadership and your ministry. Absolutely. They will bless you. They will grow you. So thank you so much for listening today to Kingdom Perspectives. I'm Stacey. It's been a privilege to host you. I encourage you once again to click on the subscribe button to automatically receive this podcast on a weekly basis. Also, if you'd like to leave us a brief review, that would be a great blessing to us. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I invite you to join us again next week for another edition of Kingdom Perspectives as we get God's perspective on life, culture and ministry. Remember, in all that you do, seek first the kingdom of God. Thank you.